Welcome to the Playbook for Amazon podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Lieber, and the goal of this podcast is to share what's working today that's helping my company, Turnkey Product Management, sell over eight figures per year on Amazon for our clients. We will share with you the actionable steps, systems, and playbook that you can plug into your business to boost your sales on Amazon. Let's go. Today we have an awesome guest that some of you may want to be adding to your Rolodex. If you're ever looking to run a crowdfunding campaign on Kickstarter or Indiegogo or the like, and if you're not sure whether that might fit into your business, this is where we really uh, get to pick an expert's brain about whether it makes sense for what businesses. And so Will Ford is an awesome person. He's an American entrepreneur. He's an angel investor, a crowdfunding expert. He's built multiple businesses and he's very passionate about helping bring innovation to life and has dedicated his career to helping early stage startups. And so this will apply to a lot of you. Uh, will is currently the president and co-founder of LaunchBoom, and he has built one of the most respected brands in the crowdfunding industry. And so I got to pick his brain, talk about all things crowdfunding, and we'll also get to help you determine whether it makes sense for your business to incorporate the crowdfunding model into your business. So I hope that you enjoy this episode with Will Ford. Thanks. All right, today we welcome to the show Will Ford from LaunchBoom. Will, how's it going? Thanks for joining me. Appreciate it. Uh, it's going great, Jeff. It's great to see you again. Absolutely. So we're both from San Diego. We've known each other for, gosh, I don't know, three or four years now. And uh, it's always been good catching up whenever we can. And, you know, you're one of the first people when I launched the podcast was like, you would be a great guest because you have such an experience that most people don't have and you can share a lot of tips in the crowdfunding space specifically is what we're going to talk about today. So really excited to have you come on. Yeah, thanks so much. It's great to be here. So why don't you tell us a little bit first, how did you, what were you doing before crowdfunding, before LaunchBoom? Give us a little background there. Yeah, so my background is more entrepreneurial. I have built several companies from the ground up and I've had several successful exits along the way. Um, my last company prior to starting LaunchBoom was called Petbox. Petbox was a subscription e-commerce company. Uh, we delivered tens of thousands of monthly boxes to dog and cat owners all over the United States. Um, I built an audience of, or excuse me, a customer base of 53,000 monthly subscribers. I did that within a 12 month period directly through Facebook and Instagram advertising and influencer marketing. So that was a really, really fun company. I was only around for about two and a half years before that company was acquired. And shortly thereafter is when I started LaunchBoom. Wow, not bad. So was that before, uh, what's it called? Petbox was, is another big one, right? Yeah, yeah, Petbox, that, 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 that's what I was alluding to. So actually, Petbox is now BarkBox today. Oh, um, cool. Yeah so, yeah, so when we started, we actually started at this, around the same time, same year, hmm. back in um, early 2013. And um, at that time, you know, they're based out of Brooklyn, New York, or they may be in Manhattan now. And, you know, we were in California. So we had this fun east-west coast rivalry. I think where we outperformed BarkBox was definitely on the digital marketing and the influencer marketing. What, what I did early on was I locked down a thousand influencers uh, via contract, uh, like pet bloggers, celebrity pets, and I'd send them free boxes every month in exchange for, you know, 
awesome content that they were post, you know, linking back to my website. They were responsible for driving most of our new membership acquisition. And the way I set that deal up with my manufacturers is I figured out a way to create a negative cost per acquisition. So we grew super fast, very quick. And when I was in the middle of my series A raise, we were acquired early. Wow. So how did the acquisition come about? Did they approach you or? Well, BarkBox didn't actually acquire PetBox at that time. We, in 2015, while I'm in the middle of my series A raise, I was contacted by a pet company called the Pet Boutique based out of Georgia. And what they were doing is they were running a store within a store, uh, that store being Sears. And they had access to uh, shopyourway.com, which is the second largest email list of U.S. residents next to Amazon. A lot of people don't know that. And so they, their whole plan was to take my model and plug it into that channel and 10x to growth very quickly, which is what they ended up doing. Uh, from there, BarkBox acquired PetBox. So I, I didn't actually participate on that side. It, it was fun kind of being the first innovator in that space. And it was fun growing PetBox so quick, you know, from a thousand monthly subscribers to over 53,000 monthly subscribers within a 12 month time frame is amazing growth, especially for that type of model. Yeah, I think that's pretty amazing for, for any industry pretty much. So, okay, cool. Well, let's fast forward then. So how did you end up getting into the crowdfunding? Yeah, so as soon as I exited PetBox back in 2015, I started working on a crowdfunding campaign. And I actually hired an agency in San Diego called Label Creative. Uh, Label Creative at that time was doing really great video production, web development, which are major pieces of what I needed for my crowdfunding launch. In addition to that, I also retained a digital marketing agency to help me build a large audience in preparation for that launch. And in going through that process, I did a lot of research. Jeff, what I learned is that Kickstarter and Indiegogo, which are only 10 years old, both of them opened their doors in 2009. They were growing extremely fast. They still are. But at that time, in 2014, based on the research I was doing in 2015, I was realizing that they were growing by more than 100% growth rate every single year since they had opened their doors. And the crowdfunding industry is not slowing down. It's continuing to grow and expand. So I did some more research looking for an agency like LaunchBoom. I wanted to find someone who could come in and be my partner on the launch and help ensure that my campaigns would be successful. My launch would be successful. But at the time, it didn't exist. So I saw a major opportunity, Jeff, to step in and basically build a full service agency to help anyone launching new consumer products, helping them guarantee successful outcomes. And so that's why I started LaunchBoom back in 2015. Gotcha. Wow. Okay. So that's 2015. And then now, you know, this is, we'll probably be coming live this episode in 2020. So how does it look different today than when it started? Or is it pretty much the same model? Yeah. So when I first started LaunchBoom, my model was simple. I'd say, Hey Jeff, I really like you a lot. I really like your product. And I think it's got great upside. What I need you to do, Jeff, is I need you to give me $50,000 and I'll turn that into a half million dollars or more in pre-sales. And most of my early clients would say, wow, Will, that sounds great. 
where's the 50 grand going? And I would tell them that half would go into the marketing for all the work and assets that have to be created to drive that type of outcome. But the other half of that would go into advertising, digital marketing, specifically Facebook and Instagram advertising. And what we would do is we'd use that budget to build these massive audiences of people ready to buy before we go live. And then when we launch on Kickstarter or Indiegogo, what we're doing is we're setting a goal that we control based on that pre-launch data that we know we can achieve immediately after launch. So what we're doing here is we usually set our goals pretty low, you know, for the most part around 50,000 US dollars. When we turn on that Kickstarter campaign or that Indiegogo campaign, we're gonna do more than 50,000 in pre-sales immediately, usually within the first two or three hours, always the first day. When that happens, we outperform the thousands of other live projects on those platforms. So what happens is we climb to the top of the rankings, we get top placement, we become a, a staff pick, a project they love. And when that happens, it opens up this massive traffic to their organic audiences, which are tens of millions of unique visitors worldwide. So what happens to our sales, because we get it funded right away, backers are more confident because they know it's going to get made and delivered. Mm -hmm. So they're more likely to convert. So when we access those massive organic audiences on Kickstarter, on Indiegogo, it's what I call is a launch boom effect. We go from that $50,000 goal to hundreds of thousands of dollars, and in some cases, cases millions of dollars. I, I did a Kickstarter campaign with a pet product company um, with my friend's dad, and we didn't know what we were doing, and, or I didn't know what I was doing, because I'd never used Kickstarter before, and unfortunately, I didn't know you know about you or, or your company so we did it ourselves rolled up our sleeves and and, and uh, did our best with what we had and I think we like read Tim Ferriss's article on it and tried to you know follow those steps and you know we did do like a 30 I think it was around a 30 or 32 thousand dollar 30 day or 60 day campaign so we had like I, modest success we exceeded our goal but you know it didn't we didn't reach the hundreds of thousands like uh, you're talking about Jeff, I remember that so well. That was like that launcher, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, the dog like the, toy. That, 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 that's a great product. Yeah, it is. Sorry, I'm a, I'm a dog lover. That's why I started my last company, Petbox. <laughs> nice. So for those that don't know, just give a quick background on like Kickstarter and Indiegogo, like where that, like how that's different from say like launching on Amazon or something like that and why it's still relevant and growing today. Yeah, so being an entrepreneur, where I see so many entrepreneurs fail even before they get started is a lot of entrepreneurs will raise a bunch of capital before they know what their business is worth. And by the time they launch their products and their businesses start succeeding because of the valuations that may not have been properly evaluated, they become the minority equity holder and a company that they built that they put all their sweat and heart and soul into. So again, I, I see it over and over again. And for that reason, I always tell all the entrepreneurs that I coach, that I mentor, that I work with, that I advise, don't raise money until you absolutely have to. I believe in shoe strapping as long as it takes before it becomes too painful where you have to take that check and you have to fundraise. So initially, Jeff, that's what got me excited about the Kickstarter and Indiegogo opportunity is that I couldn't believe that I could actually take a prototype and I could put it on Indiegogo, put it on Kickstarter and pre-sell thousands and thousands of units 
take that money up front before I place my manufacturing order. And with economies of scale, if I can generate a large enough order up front, you can usually get better price breaks and you can actually make a better profit margin. So for me, that's what initially kind of pulled me into Kickstarter, into Indiegogo. I just thought the model is so much better than the traditional model. You know, if you look at the traditional model, I've got to come up with $100,000 or more to figure out tooling, manufacturing, to come up with a clever marketing plan and strategy. And if I'm wrong, I'm upside down before I even get started. So for me, that's why I still love Kickstarter and Indiegogo is the fact that I can take a lot of that financial risk off the table. And can you explain, do you have to have like a patented product or something that's super innovative or an invention or where does sort of the limit? Because probably a lot of our audience who's listening, they maybe are already selling products that are kind of, you know, just kind of copycat products off the shelf. They might be able to innovate in some ways on the product, but they'll, they'll launch it on Amazon or on their website. They'll, they'll skip that step. So what, what are kind of the product uh, requirements or what's not a good fit, I guess, for, for crowdfunding? Jeff, that's a great question. Um, because not every product does make sense for Kickstarter or Indiegogo. So there's a few different ways to answer the question. So I'm just going to dive in. Um, I'd say first and foremost, the primary audiences that are on Indiegogo and Kickstarter are primarily male. Roughly about 60%, 65% of the audiences there are gonna be males ages 25 to 45 years of age, right? So you definitely want a product that's gonna to appeal to that type of demographic. Those usually are my million dollar or multi-million dollar campaigns. Secondly, what I look for are beautiful designs. So anyone who's taken a product and improved that design that could easily be a winner. I also look for innovative tech. Anyone who has like a really great, you know, tech gadget, um, maybe it's an IoT product that's super creative that, that solves a, a major problem in a market. I look at product lines like drones, robotics. Uh, believe it or not, but we're having a lot of success right now with apparel products that are really cool, new designs, new brands. We do awesome with outdoor enthusiasts, uh, that market, any type of product, a product that's going to appeal to an outdoor enthusiast, whether it's like a, a camping product, a hiking product, a skiing product, any type of like water activity product. But basically if you go to launchboom.com, well, we have a campaign category and you can see like the dozens of verticals where we've had a lot of success in. But to answer your question, I think what's really important based on my system, because it is a digital marketing strategy, the price point's really important. So like in your world, Jeff, sometimes you guys have a lot of success with those, those lower price points items. Those aren't good for launch boom or crowdfunding. What I like are products that are gonna have an average order value of about $50 or hopefully a lot more than that. Where it actually becomes easier for me is when we start launching $200, $500 products. Gotcha, and does that have to be the purchase price of like one unit or cause I know on Kickstarter cause I bought some Kickstarters as well and I ran one. Some of the, a lot of the purchases can have different tier levels. So sometimes it's like you can buy one for 30 bucks or you can buy two for 50 bucks or you could buy 10 for a hundred bucks or whatever the numbers are. So are you talking more about ideally it's the average order value across those or what's like the average price point for one that you're looking for? Yeah, I mean, it would be the average order value for one unit. 
because okay. remember we're, we're trying to pre-sell the product to these backers that are worldwide. Now to also answer that question, sometimes what we do, depending upon the product, we create bundle packs to drive up that average order value. So if that one unit alone were to sell for like $24.99, maybe we create like a bundle pack for 50 or a hundred so forth. Okay. Gotcha. That makes sense. So what I'm thinking about is for people listening, most people will already have a brand and they'll already have active products selling on Amazon or their website. And they've never used crowdfunding before. They've probably heard of it or looked at it, but have never used it. So how can they incorporate it into their business if they're already doing pretty well in their business? They, they can't use it for previously launched products, right? I'm guessing it would be maybe just for future products they could find a way to incorporate crowdfunding into? Yeah, yeah, no, that's a great question too. So when it comes to, when it comes to businesses that are already at scale, right? Successful e-commerce businesses, successful Amazon businesses, um, even businesses that may even be in retail, well beyond that. What's interesting is when I started LaunchBoom, I, I started it for my own need. And I, I, I really focused it more on that earlier startup, that scrappier um, startup looking to come out with a bang with their very first or second launch. But what is really interesting is what my client base looks like today. Today, you know, we're just under five years into the business and half of my clients are very successful e-commerce businesses. And I even have Fortune 1000 clients as well. And what they're doing, Jeff, is they're leveraging crowdfunding platforms like Kickstarter, like Indiegogo, to validate demand behind all of their new consumer product ideas. Because let's face it, the more successful businesses are usually launching new products every year. Maybe it's one, maybe it's multiple. And so what's really cool is the fact that I'm seeing them gravitate over into this crowdfunding uh, opportunity because they're able to validate demand faster and for a fraction of the cost. Can you give an example then of how an established company like that might want to test data to see which products are winners or losers? So like what would be a good example or how do you guys help them run that test? Yeah, no, it's, it's good way to kind of dive into the launch boom business model today because the way the model is today and you asked me earlier like how did you get started what did the model originally look like well when i started launch boom my 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 deal was give me fifty thousand, and i'll turn it into a half million or more in sales on kickstarter or indiegogo and basically we win where you win you know we'll take a small commission for driving that large sale and so that's how my interests were mutually aligned with my client the problem was that model was flawed. It wasn't cookie cutter. It didn't work like that every time. Why? Every product's unique. Every product's different. There's different demand for all sorts of products, even in the same vertical. So what we decided to do was we made a major pivot in January of 2017. So what we did was we decided to run every new product through our full system first for a fraction of the cost and in a shorter amount of time. So we could show our new clients real data, showing how much we can realistically raise, and more importantly, how much profit they're gonna make per unit that we move through our system. So once we complete that test, and we know for a fact we can deliver a profitable outcome, only then do we take a bigger advertising budget and move them into a launch boom, where we get them ready for a Kickstarter, for an Indiegogo, because for us, these deals don't really make sense for our clients. 
if we can't raise hundreds of thousands of dollars of pre-sales and hopefully millions. Okay, so now let's talk a little bit about Kickstarter versus Indiegogo because uh, I'm, even I'm not 100% clear on that and I'm sure a lot of people would like to hear like what's the difference, which one should they go with, do you do them in order, how, how does that work? Yeah, no, so when I started LaunchMoom in 2015, Kickstarter was the, the main player. They were the gorilla and that is where we focus most of our launches. You know, we would do some launches on Indiegogo but the main reason we focused on Kickstarter was their audience was like four times larger at that time compared to Indiegogo. So I wanted to launch in the market where I'd have more eyeballs, right? And then after that Kickstarter sale would conclude and that crowdfunding campaign would be over, I would then transition immediately behind it over to Indiegogo in demand, which would continue the pre-sale and the crowdfunding campaign longer. So I could actually tap into both marketplaces and drive a bigger sale over a longer period of time. That was, Launch Boom 1.0, right? Over the years, I've seen a major change, mainly because Kickstarter filed as a B corporation back in 2016. So now what they're doing is they're prioritizing projects that have like a social cause behind it. So they're not really as specific with consumer hardware or tech hardware. And that's where Indiegogo shines. Indiegogo, they are the hardware platform when it comes to crowdfunding, in my opinion. So anytime we've launched campaigns over the last 18 months, we're now advising our clients to skip Kickstarter and launch on Indiegogo first to have a better outcome. The reason why I'm doing that is because Indiegogo is providing in internal support now. They're, uh, they're featuring my clients in their newsletters. They're guaranteeing us like, you know, top placement longer as long as we hit certain, you know, thresholds with pre-sales. So they're really adding a lot more support with helping maximize traffic, which is really all I care about because we're the specialist at converting that traffic into sales or backers while we're live. So there's also a lot of other reasons why we're more bullish when it comes to Indiegogo today versus even 18 months ago. If we were having this conversation 18 months ago, I'd say Kickstarter. And then when that's done, then let's go hit Indiegogo in demand. But what's interesting is the data doesn't lie. And when I look at all my launches this calendar year, we've launched half as many of those on Indiegogo versus Kickstarter, but we've raised twice as much money on the Indiegogo deals versus the Kickstarter revenue. So again, everyone keeps asking me, Will, why is that happening? And Indiegogo has a much more user-friendly platform. They give us access to pixel data for targeting, retargeting purposes. So based on my advertising strategy, which is based solely around Facebook and Instagram, I'm able to drive much better returns on those budgets when I drive that traffic to Indiegogo versus Kickstarter. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. So then how do you control successful outcomes for product launches? Like what, what are you guys doing or what are, what are the levers that you're pulling? Yeah, that's what we do better than anyone else in the world. And I mean that today, LaunchBoom has launched more successful crowdfunding campaigns on Kickstarter, on Indiegogo than any other agency in the world. Now, the reason we have 100% success rate, and this goes back to January of 2017, having launched hundreds of product launches since that time, is primarily because of how we process our deal flow. So remember, Jeff, we don't have a cookie cutter model here, right? We look at every product as being unique and different because they are. And so what we're doing is all of the new products that we manage, 
we take them through a 60-day test. I call that test, test boom, because it's more aligned with my branding. But what we're doing is we're nailing down the messaging, the positioning. We're creating all the marketing assets we need so that we can actually go do our micro testing and target different audiences on Facebook, on Instagram, and figure out what that demand really looks like. But more importantly, what the expected return will be from every dollar we plug into my advertising system. At the end of that test, what I need to know is true, Jeff, is that for every dollar we put into my ad system, I need to know that I can turn that into $3 and hopefully a lot more back in sales. And if I can show that type of return, like a 300% ROAS or greater, then I say, hey, Jeff, I'm the best partner for you. Now let's put a real budget in to advertising and let's go raise a million dollars on Indiegogo or Kickstarter. Right. So how does that test phase, like what kind of budget do you guys usually like to work with in that initial micro testing phase? Like what would the out of pocket cost be for, for a client? Great question. So for me, I look at crowdfunding in general as mitigating the new product launch, right? Because you're pre-selling it before you commit to a manufacturing order. What I'm doing is I'm further mitigating that risk for all my clients before we have them commit decent budgets into a product launch. So to answer your question directly, my test boom agreement or program, it's a $9,500 US dollar cost. So $2,000 goes into Facebook advertising, Instagram advertising, 7,500 covers my hard cost to do all that work. So I can get the most accurate data possible before we make a decision with our client that's data driven because we know we can go not only raise a lot of money on Kickstarter or Indiegogo, but more importantly, a profitable outcome. So everyone makes money on the deal. The test boom is the most important work we do here today, in my honest opinion. Um, so $9,500, 60 days of time, I can tell all of my clients, no matter how many new products they wanna launch a year, how much demand there actually is in the market to support a bigger launch, or sorry, a bigger raise. Hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting model. I've not uh, seen that before. All right, so Will, on Kickstarter launches or Indiegogo launches, what are some of the top mistakes that you see people make? Yeah, I'd say, honestly, the number one mistake that holds true for every failed crowdfunding campaign is lack of preparation. And what I mean by that is a lot of people believe that they can take a product or prototype and they can create some images and complete a campaign page on Kickstarter or Indiegogo, turn it on and miraculous, miraculously raise hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars in pre-sales, right? Now in the early days when Kickstarter and Indiegogo first opened their platforms and turned on their businesses, they had these massive communities already in place looking for innovative products, looking for, you know, cool new, um, awesome companies to back and support. Now, because of that, there weren't as much, there weren't as many products competing for real estate on Kickstarter or Indiegogo. So early on, it was easier for people to put just a little bit of effort into these launches and do quite well. But as soon as, you know, people started noticing, you know, new products raising millions of dollars on Kickstarter, on Indiegogo, they took interest and they started launching their own products there. Now, because of that, there's thousands and thousands of products launching every week right now on Kickstarter, on Indiegogo. So preparation is key. 
and it's key to our success. It always has been, it still is, uh, now more than ever. So really the number one thing I recommend anyone take from this conversation is if you're gonna launch a crowdfunding campaign, spend at least three months preparing yourselves for success. What does that mean? Do some testing, start building a hyper-focused audience of people that are ready to buy your product. And then only turn on that campaign when you can actually control a positive outcome, which is setting a low goal that you know you can achieve immediately after launch because that's how it's going to continue to grow and scale. So I'm trying to think from the perspective of someone that has a brand or that they have a product that they want to try to test on Kickstarter, but maybe they're just not super experienced with building that sort of pre-launch list, that pre, you know, testing that to see you know, who is the audience out there that would be interested in your product. What are some tips to like where to find those people and how to like get them onto either an email list or whether it's a Facebook group or however you guys are doing it? What are like some tips to help do that pre-launch phase? Yeah, so the way we're doing it, just to kind of cut to the chase here, we have a lead funnel system um, and it works really, really well. And so this is basically a high level of how it all works. Um, what we do is once we nail down the messaging and the positioning of that new product, then what we do is we collaborate with our clients, making sure that we're aligned on the direction we're taking it in. And then from there, we create all of the content we need in our production studio right here in San Diego. So once we have all that content put together, my web developers are gonna build several lead funnels. Now these are basic websites that are gonna showcase some images. Uh, we're gonna test different call to actions. So we're, what I'm doing is split A-B testing here, Jeff. And so what happens are when we are micro-testing ads on Facebook, on Instagram, and if someone clicks on that ad, we're gonna redirect them to this lead funnel, this landing page that we build. And the first thing we're doing, Jeff, is we're trying to get them to opt in. We wanna get them to submit their email because they wanna join our VIP community and they wanna be notified as soon as we go live. The reason we're doing that first is because that gets me around spam laws so now I can legally email market back to that person and convert them later once we do launch on Kickstarter or Indiegogo. But instead of waiting till later, what we do, which is really different than anyone else out there, is we convert them right now. So as soon as you opt in, this is where we say, Jeff, thank you so much for your interest in our upcoming launch. We're gonna contact you as soon as we go live. But in the meantime, Jeff, please know we have a thousand units available at a better price and it's gonna be delivered 30 days ahead of schedule before anyone else. So if you are serious, all you need to do today, Jeff, is pull out your credit card and place a $1 money back guarantee deposit. And that will lock you into the better deal today. The reason I'm doing that is because now, what everyone else does out there is they just build a lead funnel. They just collect leads, which will convert anywhere between three and 5%. But what we're doing is we're building that lead funnel and then converting those leads into reservations or acquisitions because consumers don't be, they don't behave like that. They don't pull out their credit card and transact if they're not serious about committing to a purchase. So what does that mean? That means that those reservations that we're generating before the launch, we're going to have a huge massive conversion on that. Um, right now, looking at all of our data historically, we're having 30% or higher conversions off that reservation funnel, which is huge. Yeah, that's an incredibly high number. So you're saying that 
you know, you're putting something out in front of them, maybe like gauging interests, like maybe a, a picture of the product or a short video, seeing if they're interested, something like that. Then you send them to an opt-in page and it's at that point you're taking the $1 reservation or are you first doing just a free, put your email and name in so that you can be notified later. And then later on you'll do the $1. I, I miss which order that is. Yeah, 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 yeah. No problem. So exactly right. What we're doing is we're micro testing a bunch of different content. Now notice I haven't said video yet and I'll explain why later, but right now what we're doing is we're just creating product images because it's low cost and we can create a lot of content that way. So we can test different audiences on Facebook, on Instagram, right? You see an ad, you're interested in learning more about it. You click on it on Facebook. I'm now going to redirect you to a lead funnel. And the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to try to get you to opt in, to submit your email first, become a lead and join my VIP community. So you learn everything possible about the project and get the best deal possible. Now, as soon as you submit that email and now you're part of that database, that email list, now I legally have permission to email market back to you later and convert you when we do go live. The difference is that once you sign up and become a lead, the very next thing you see is the reservation funnel. So the reservation second, and that's where I say, thank you. We're going to notify you as soon as we launch and to get a better discount right now, get the best deal possible, just place a $1 money back guarantee deposit. So we're actually doing that through Stripe. And like I said, we're getting huge conversions on those paid reservations because it's the most qualified audience you can create for any launch. People don't, do that if they're not serious about committing to a purchase yeah that's genius i'm trying to think for i mean you could even use that for amazon launches as well like a similar type model don't you think i think you could definitely use that model do you have any tips for people that you know since your your expertise is really in, in launches right um what what can you think of that would apply specifically to an amazon launch like you, you know what let's say even post kickstarter they're for whatever reason, now they're on Amazon and it's time to launch on Amazon. What can they do as far as uh, from your expertise that could apply to a really big launch on Amazon if you have any insight there? Yeah, I mean, currently, and Jeff, you, you already know the answer here. You already know what I'm doing. But here's what happens. As soon as we finish the crowdfunding campaign with all of our clients, guess what? They want to keep growing. They want to keep going big with revenue and they want to make more money. So what they say is, hey, Will, do you know anyone who knows anything about e-commerce? And that's where I raise my hand and I say, we actually have an e-commerce division. We'll help you grow and scale through e-commerce if you don't have support there. We're really good at it. Why? We just spent six months becoming the expert at maximizing the digital advertising strategy. So when we transition over to e-commerce, believe it or not, it gets easier to make them way more money, or I should say more profit. Why? Because we're building that on Shopify. So we have much more control over the platform, the checkout process. So now we can actually maximize and get much better conversions there. So we can actually help them on e-commerce. We work with most of our clients on e-commerce after crowdfunding, but guess what? That's just one channel. The bigger channel you could argue is what you're doing in Amazon. So all of my clients that ask me for help, launching on Amazon, creating that Amazon channel, that's usually where I direct them to your team. So Jeff, you know, every day you probably get at least one or more emails from my team 
because we have clients that want to go to Amazon and you've done a fantastic job these last few years building a great business. All of my clients that we've ever sent your way, they've honestly ranted and raved about not only you, but your team. And um, I really appreciate that. Yeah, well, you didn't have to say that, but thank you. I really appreciate it. And I mean, it helps that a lot of the companies or all the companies that you send over, like they are so pre-qualified because like you've already helped them build an audience because that's why they're successful on crowdfunding. And so they've already had some of those assets and that proof of concept. And so honestly, they become, a lot of them have become some of our most successful case studies or clients, but that's because they went through your guys' process first. So uh, I think it's sort of like a, you know, that's why it's such a win-win, I think, between us. Yeah, but when it does come to Amazon versus my world, which is really crowdfunding and e-commerce, it's like two totally different ball games, right? I mean, I, I don't ever see us moving into Amazon, to be honest. Yeah, well, you better not, because that's <laughs> no, just kidding. You can if you want. Okay, so, so that's interesting. So now you take the most successful clients that have proved concept, they're obviously happy with you, and you might actually help them if they want help build a Shopify store and manage their traffic, right? Is that what I'm hearing? I mean, that's exactly what I'm doing. And the main, the main reason is because of all those hours invested in really becoming the expert at maximizing the return on that digital marketing budget, we already know how to maximize traffic now. And so now what we're seeing is that we're able to raise five to 10 times more revenue after the crowdfunding campaign. And we're able to do it relatively quick within like a nine to 12 month period. And so, yeah, to answer your question, what we end up doing at that point is we're managing larger monthly ad budgets. It's usually like a minimum 10,000 or more a month because that drives the sales. But what we're seeing is we're getting even better returns because of all that time invested in maximizing the returns to the crowdfunding, it becomes easier for us to do better returns on e-commerce. And the main reason there is because we're building the platforms. We're controlling that checkout process. So we're able to not only maximize traffic, but usually get a much, much better conversion there as well. So our clients make more profitable revenue there too, because now they're not paying that extra commission to Kickstarter or Indiegogo. It goes back to their bottom line and the return on ad spend is going to increase for the most part. Okay. Well, so I'm thinking about the next step to maybe validate for someone that's thinking, I don't know if, if crowdfunding is really good for my particular niche or product, right? So what I'm thinking is, and correct me if I'm wrong, they should go to kickstarter.com or go to indiegogo.com and just search for like one of the top keywords that's related to their current brand. So if they have a yoga brand, search the word yoga. And if dozens of products show up showing past campaigns, like for say an innovative yoga block where it, it sold $670,000 um, on Kickstarter, then obviously that's a great sign that, okay, it's probably worth a uh, while for you to look into. Like there's a viable niche in community there on Kickstarter. But if let's say they, they search and the, there's zero search results and they just, no one has ever launched a product in that niche before, that might be red flag. It's like, okay, maybe there's not a good uh, market there for your niche and you should stick with what you're doing. Is that accurate or? Yeah. I mean, that's exactly right. I mean, if you are interested in just learning what categories do well, uh, go to Kickstarter, go to Indiegogo, type in that keyword and you'll see all the previous campaigns and you can see how much they raised, how many people bought the product. So that can give you a really good idea of what categories do well. Um, if you also want to kind of, see some other options 
go to launchboom.com, right? Because you can see all the campaigns that we absolutely crushed, right? So I think uh, start Kickstarter, start on Indiegogo. And then from there, if you want to learn more about kind of like our digital marketing system, how we manage these product launches, go to, Indie, uh, go to launchboom.com. And then you can see like all of our previous campaigns, what categories we do really well in. And then honestly, if you want to learn more, you can go to launchboom.com. We have an apply button where you can just fill in some fields, give us more information about what your product idea is or your next product launch is. And you can actually talk to someone on my team. Uh, who can kind of dive in a lot deeper with you. Awesome. Yeah. Appreciate that. Cool. Well, yeah. Any final words of advice? Well, I think this has been incredibly uh, helpful. I've learned a lot already. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm happy to hear that. Yeah. I guess all I want to say to close out is thanks again for having me on the show. It's been great getting to know you real well these last three, four years. And um, again, it's, it's been impressive watching the awesome business that you've been building I know that we refer a lot of our clients to you when we're done crowdfunding, uh, especially the ones that want to continue growing and developing more profitable revenue, tapping into bigger channels. And other than that, if you are interested at all in learning more about crowdfunding and whether or not it makes sense for your next product launch, I mean it. Don't hesitate to go to launchboom.com. Don't hesitate to put that information on that apply page. And you can literally talk to one of our product launch specialists. But besides that, thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, appreciate it, Will. Well, yeah, I can vouch for Will, guys. He's uh, He's been nothing but a good dude and straight up and obviously gets crazy results for the clients. So I think uh, I would I would recommend you. It's worth a look to see if they've launched any products in your particular space or definitely check out Kickstarter Indiegogo as well just to see. Because honestly, I mean, just at the end of the day, it is crazy that you can, just such a unique model that wasn't around 10 years ago where you can launch a whole new product that you're not sure whether it's going to do well or not. And you can get all the money and revenue up front in pre-orders. And then you can sometimes have a year to actually go make the product. And if it doesn't do well, you didn't really lose very much, right? I mean, that's kind of why crowdfunding is so unique as a first launch uh, mechanism. Yeah, and, and it's also a great place to get those early adopters. And we're finding that these early adopters are fiercely loyal to these brands. It's really interesting, but as we launch multiple products under the same brand that have delivered good experiences to those backers, we're finding that every next launch thereafter do even bigger, better results. But we're finding that most of those backers from that first campaign will convert into that second and third and fourth launch. So these are fiercely loyal customers. And as long as you take care of those people, those backers, they're going to keep coming back for more. Yeah, that's right. Actually, one of our clients that, yeah, that we both had worked with, even though it's not necessarily a super innovative, like second product, you know, like it's a little innovative, but, you know, they'd launch every new product on Kickstarter Indiegogo and each campaign got bigger and bigger each time. And then it came to Amazon months later. So yeah, just, uh, it's a pretty cool model. So, yeah, I'd also say like, just one more thought is, you know, if you are an early stage entrepreneur or startup and you're, you're tight with funding, crowdfunding really is a better way. It's going to allow you to validate your product demand. It's going to allow you to actually generate thousands of real customers and honestly create more value. So if you do want to go raise a bunch of capital after the crowdfunding campaign, you've got way more leverage. You've done the heavy lifting. You've proven that people want your product. Uh, You've proven that you've got real customers 
And now if you want to go raise some money, you can actually raise more money and give away less equity, keep more of your business. So that's really why I, I got excited about LaunchBoom and the opportunity. And honestly, Jeff, it's been amazing. You know, we've got clients in 43 countries outside the United States and all day, every day, all we're looking at is innovation. And we're working with just awesome people worldwide. So I'm having the most fun I've ever had. And uh, I'm excited for 2020. It's fun stuff, man. Well, hey, I think we all learned a lot. And uh, yeah, guys, let us know what you thought of this episode and uh, appreciate the time, Will. Good, good to see you as always. Thanks, Jeff. All right. So I hope that you enjoyed that episode with Will Ford. I hope that you learned a lot and want you just to pause real quick and think about, you know, does it make sense for you to incorporate crowdfunding? If you're not sure, just take some of those initial steps. Like it's as simple as going to kickstarter.com or indiegogo.com search the keyword related to your product or your audience and see if there's even a market there. And if there are, that might give you some product ideas and it might be worth you exploring at that point. And so, uh, yeah, and you can reach out to Will, like he said, he's happy to talk to entrepreneurs uh, anytime. So reach out and I'm sure they'll give you advice whether they think it might be worth a test or not. So anyways, I hope that you really enjoyed this episode. And as always, we appreciate you listening. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast, subscribe to our YouTube channel, leave reviews, all that stuff really, really helps us. And again, you know, Will has helped so many different companies in LaunchBoom on Kickstarter, on Indiegogo. After they become super successful and they start fulfilling their orders, that's when they reach out to us at Turnkey Product Management and we're able to help them carry over that launch into Amazon, which is you know, a channel where you can use for years and years obviously to build your business on. And so um, that's why it's been really, really cool to work with Will because um, we both <laughs> enjoy working with similar type companies. So hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Thank you so much for listening.